gather up your best regalia. We're all strutting by azaleas, party in that hot house round the block. Oh, shovel on up for our greenhouse stomp. Yeah, there's dancers prancing by the punies. And that was Greenhouse Stop by Dandy Wellington, and we love him so much for allowing him to play, allowing us to play his song for our podcast. And speaking of podcast, this is Fashion History with American Duchess. I am one of your hosts, Abby Cox. And I'm your other host, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Yay! Hi. Um, and we're and today... <laughs> I'm so excited. Today... Uh, yes, I'm taking over. He's mine. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, today we have a really, 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 very special guest. Uh, we are so excited to talk to Zach Vincent from England, um, the primo <laughs> tailor and um, of Regency clothes. Like, you're amazing, Zach. Uh, why don't you tell us? Uh, because obviously you're going to put it in better words than I just attempted to. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about about yourself. And uh, yeah, hi, <laughs> hi, Zach. <laughs> Hello, hello. No, no, no. Um, well, good evening slash afternoon, depending on which time zone you want to use. Yes. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, so my name is Zach Pinsent. I run a business called Pinsent Tailoring. It's almost like it's my name or something. Um, and um, uh, I, I make um, period men's bespoke clothing uh, from, well, the earliest I've sort of done is sort of the 1660s and the latest I've done is sort of 1920s. But I specialize mainly uh, in the uh, Regency and Georgian period because, of course, it's a fascinating bit of history, and uh, everyone's really for it in this country, especially with uh, Jane Austen. Nice. So, yeah. Heck yeah. So when you say this country, do you mean England or do you mean America? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or both. England. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I suppose both, you know, but, but, because I do joke with some with some English friends in a way that um, America is um, so very, well, not precious with their history, but so so invested in the history simply because you haven't got much of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very true. We don't have a lot of it, and it's all very complicated. (laughs) Oh, goodness me, yes. (laughs) So cool. Awesome. So you're a tailor, and that is your business. But you also eat, sleep, breathe, and shit this stuff as well, don't you? Oh, yeah. Did you just say that, Abby? I did just say it. Yes, I did. (laughs) God. (laughs) The point I'm getting at is for those who don't actually know you or have never seen you on the internet or on the BBC documentary, I have embarrassed the crap out of Lauren, Um, or or the BBC documentary, My Friend Jane, is that what it is? Yeah, that's right. Um, You wear these clothes every day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it it started off from, uh, from, well, I've always loved dressing up from like, the age of like four or five because what small child doesn't love dressing up yeah and my parents just never really told me to stop <laughs> so so I sort of continued with that and you know I did the whole teenager phase thing of about 14 15 trying to um trying to blend in realized I hated that uh, because it was just so boring and uninspiring and went around vintage clothes shops and you could still get um, 1920s and 1930s clothing, which was still Victorian in style. So I started off doing Victorian. Uh, and then a few years later, I was invited to a Regency ball. I thought, crap, got nothing to wear. So I threw something together from something I found on eBay. Um, I look back at it and I go, it's bloody awful. Uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's interesting looking back at that first piece because we all look back at our first creations and we put our head in our hands. And it's really important to know that we all progress somewhere. Um, and as long as you're progressing, you're doing the right thing. Um, and yeah, and now I look at where I am now and it's all a little bit mental um, <laughs> because I wouldn't expect <laughs> to be in this position that I'm in now that I'm being invited to things and I've got clients on different continents and it's just like, ah! Still don't know how to cook. Um. <laughs> it's all right. You can tailor an 18th century men's suit perfectly. It's soaked half of them. Cannot boil an egg. Excellent. No, no. no I, I, I almost poached an egg the other day. It wasn't successful. The middle wasn't runny enough, so need to keep trying. But poaching an egg is well, like the most difficult way to cook an egg. So there's that. No, that's true. That's true. But I just hold very high standards for my cooking skills because my dad's an amazing cook. Mm. People go, oh, why don't you cook more? Dad's too good at cooking. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but he just does it. Cool. So, so you just, 
you just, you just started tailoring. I think that's amazing. Um, and it's obviously a really different sort of course than most people take, especially at a young age. Um, Zach, how old are you? I'm 23. 23. 20. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you just, you just, that's, that's what you decided to do and you've just done it. And I think yeah. that's really, really inspiring. Um, many people, it takes us a long time to sort of knock through crappy jobs and realize what we really want to do and pursue it. And it can be very hard to, you know, quit your day job, but you never really had a day job or did you? Um, well, no, no, I never really did. Um, but, but I'm, but I really have to hold my hands up and, you know, say a massive thank you to my parents, especially my dad for being so tolerant and really believing, uh, in what I could do and about our passions, uh, because my, um, parents uh, started their own business so they're aware mm. of the whole sort of the struggles you go through and everything and they realized that you know despite the fact I was okay with academic stuff they knew that that wasn't really where my heart was lying and they said well see what you want to do and what you can do and luckily they were in a position to be able to support me through those early stages because you know it's a very difficult position to be in if you haven't got that support and I wouldn't be in the position I am now without that initial support of it's okay. Um, you know, go, go and study this or, you know, um, it's fine that you will take up the dining room for like three weeks cause you're trying to cut out <laughs> and work out a coat, uh, you know, but, but, um, but I think the big move of it being a proper business, um, was about a year ago when I got my, um, uh, when I got my studio space, uh, further in town in Brighton. And it meant that I could just leave things out. <laughs> and and it, it's almost scary because it turns from being a hobby, for which it's for so many people, to then being, oh, crumbs, this is now an actual business and I have to fill in these things called tax forms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's also very difficult being in any industry and being young um, or being female, you know, and I'm not a woman. Uh, but, um, yeah, but because you've got that, weird sort of thing where people will always look down on you because they think oh you're too young um you know you're inexperienced i'm sort of gone well yes i am massively inexperienced um but the only way you gain experience is by doing uh, by learning researching um and especially with our field it's um reading everything you can and going to see any original pieces if you can find it because uh, they're amazing um mm -hmm. and taking loads and loads and loads of photographs yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> A great question. Well, a great lead up to the question I actually had, which was, how did you learn how to be a tailor, a historic tailor, as you drink a big glass of red wine? And I'm so jealous right now. That's, That's awesome. I, I need to I, wait. Hold that back up. I'm going to screenshot this. <laughs> screenshot it. <laughs> uh, well, um, I, the, the way I started was simply by... Um, uh, I firstly bought an online pattern because I couldn't employ, you know, I couldn't pay for anyone to make anything for me. And there was a lot lacking online, you know, so I looked at Etsy, I looked at eBay. This is, this was years ago uh, when I was sort of, you know, 14, 15, thinking of expanding a wardrobe and you find steampunk stuff and you sort of go, Oh, that looks good. But then you think, but it's not quite right. So, so, so where's the middle ground? Where do you get what you need to get? Um, so, um, you then run Google images, but, but I then bought my first historical pattern, uh, and I was putting it together and I was like, this just doesn't seem right. So I started adapting it, did little tweaky things here and there. Um, I've still got it upstairs and I, I will never show it again to anyone. It's awful. I chose, I chose the first thing I made to make it out of really thick red curtain velvet. What a great <laughs> idea that was. Let's just, oh, I think let's we've just all been there. <laughs> and use lovely velvet. The only good thing with velvet is that it hides how crap your buttonholes are. <laughs> so, so I started off doing that and it's just been trial and error um, to start off with. And then, so I hit the ground running, started doing too much. And I thought, wait, I need to take a step back and look at the actual historical side of things. And you research, you start reading. Um, and I think, it, you know, there are two different schools of thought. You either from the off, do the extreme historical side of things where you don't put a needle to a bit of material to be read everything there is to read and seen everything there is to see. I think you have to gain that little bit of experience 
in terms of making your fingers bleed from sewing until you can get to that point of researching and understanding the research in mm. context. Because that's really important. Because that's what's fascinating when you read through the tailor's documents um, and you know little scribblings in journals. Um, when you're using the right materials and the right techniques and have actually put together something, you you appreciate the context in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the first proper bit of sewing I did um, from scratch was making a Victorian waistcoat uh, for a for an extended essay at school. Mm-hmm. So I've had no, you know, and I will always stand up and say this, I've had no formal training at all, but, which is why I'm very concerned sometimes about calling myself a tailor yeah. because I call myself a period tailor. Because to call myself a tailor gives the connotation of making modern suits and that is a whole different realm of expertise and, you know, people train for several years to get to that stage. But there isn't really anywhere where you can learn historical tailoring accurately you've only got um, stage costume and mm-hmm. things like that. And that's a very different, you know, it's not that it's inaccurate. It's the fact that it just serves a different purpose mm-hmm. because having done the theater things before and uh, performed on stage uh, and stuff, you think they're not going to be wearing heavy box coats or Garrett coats on stage. They're going to be wearing really thin stuff because it gets really hot on those stages. And, and you think that even back during the period, they weren't wearing the same sort of day where they would on stage because they knew being on stage was hot. So it's a different school of thought. Um, so it depends where you want to be. You can either make things in a costume way, as in, you know, there are some amazing costume people out there who probably have higher skills than I do, but um, I wouldn't say it's a historically accurate way of doing it. Mm. So it depends which, which sort of vein you want to go down, really. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by the fact that you're completely self-taught and so freaking impressed. <laughs> Like, <laughs> and just the buttonholes just damn buttonholes they are so flipping hard but it's impressive and I mean obviously you do have a slight benefit living in the UK because you have so much exposure to original documents and research and original garments and so many of them are just this quick train right away that it's not it's a lot easier for you in a lot of ways than it would be for say us in Nevada wanting to look at oh yeah sure <laughs> so sure that's... certainly because yeah. america is so vast and you know i'll be looking through collections and stuff and i'll see that something's in an america uh, in a museum in america and i go damn i'm not in america and then i think wait for example <laughs> I've, I've looked like at three of these sorts of things anyway and you sort of go america's just too big in a way you know, you need to bring it down and have one state full of all the museums so that everyone can visit there for a month <laughs> and see everything. Um, but, you know, um, I mean, but also in England, there's no such thing as a quick train ride. Oh, good Lord. The, the, uh, I think the, by comparison the, it is. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. no, but uh, it, I, am, I am from a very privileged perspective and the fact that being in England, we're so close to Europe. Yeah. So you can just pop over, well, pop over, uh, to, to say Germany, France, Switzerland and look at some amazing collections or you go down to some antiques markets in Paris and you see original 18th century garments which are just being sold next to like spoons <laughs> and you go, what is this madness? Um, but yeah, no, it's a real pleasure. But I think the one thing that all museums need to do is to put mirrors at the back of their display cases so we can oh see the back God, of things. Yes. 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 <sighs> so you can see the back of things because it's so important. Our small request, dear museums, mirrors, please use oh, them. Oh, gosh. Love of almighty God, mirrors. <laughs> I think the ladies said <laughs> the, the, the Manchester gallery thought I was like crazy because I was kind of crawling around on the floor looking up the skirts uh, in their display cases. And this group of old ladies came in and they're like, I used to work here when I was 15, way back when. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> it's like, it's going to be like I was mad, but I just, you know, I agree with you. There's it's, especially when they're in display cases and you can't get around them. It's very, very difficult yeah. to see what's going on. Yes. I mean, and, and the thing is, well, myself and my family um, and people that know me well, we all sort of forget that I'm, dressed like I've just walked out of, you know, Regency England or something. 
and and we wonder why people are staring when I'm scrambling around on the floor trying to take photos up at the inside of the banyan, wondering, I wonder if the facing goes all the way around. Um, <laughs> A qu- question for you along those slides. You dress this way every day. Um, anybody who follows your Instagram and your Facebook page will know that and it's super cool have you ever had an issue with a museum um being admitted uh like the because you're wearing a, what they think is a costume anything like that uh well well there is of course the current story but uh no not a museum as such um but i have been denied um going into um uh pubs uh clubs really? restaurants yeah yeah because there's you know, a lot of places in the UK have got this, um, especially in Brighton, have got this no costume rule because, of course, it generally applies to stag and hen parties mm. uh, and, and things like that. And and you sort of go, okay, in that context, it's understandable, but there's just me, um, so so I'm not exactly going to bring a gaggle of you know Bow Street runners along. Uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but but no, uh, g- generally. Um, People in the UK are very different. We, we generally love eccentricity and yeah. we love being weird. Um, and and it's great. I mean, I've traveled all over the UK and then all over the world and people are massively complimentary about it. Um, you know, I'll be sitting on the bus and I'll get, you know, the old biddy sort of stuff and going, oh, you look very smart. And someone, thank you very much. And, you know, people are just genuinely lovely. Um, and the great thing is, it is a wonderful icebreaker. Um, people can really, you know, stop and talk to you. Um, but people generally sort of go, oh, you filming? You're in a play? It's like, no, it's just me generally. And they're like, no, it's not. And it's like, okay, it's not. Have the cases where, you know, you cannot convince some people or people just won't believe you. And, and I think the worst perpetrators um, are sort of like, you know, the angry, the, you know, the angry middle-aged woman uh, with, with like two kids sort of going, you know, oh, why are you dressed like that? So, oh, I'm just going to, no, don't lie to me, don't lie to me. It's like, oh, sorry. But, <laughs> but the nicest people, um, well, Dublin, the spectrum, are drunk people. They can either be the best or the worst. You know, there's no middle ground. No, there's not. <laughs> drunk people at three in the morning can either absolutely love you or be like, I need to run. Uh, but, but that's the same with, with anyone that, dresses alternatively or or um or anyone with anything different about them or you know i'm in a very lucky position where i'm not a woman dressing like this because being a woman you you've got enough attention brought on you by the simple fact that you are a woman to then have this on top would be an absolute nightmare um you know yeah that's actually something i was thinking of when you were talking about that when i used to work at colonial williamsburg and everyone in this town was used, well, should be used to people dressed in historic dress, going about their business, pumping gas in their car, going buying groceries. Because the last thing you really want to do is go to work, go home, change into normal clothes, go back out, do your errands, and then go back home. It's a horrendous waste of time. But every time I would go out people would stare at me or I'd have men come up to me being in the middle of Target, you know, I'm like bags full of crap I don't need from Target, but it's Target. So that's what you do. You just buy stuff. Uh, <laughs> T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, Ooh, I, want oh, um, I need this $12 candle. Totally. Mine now. Um, you're a, you're a, you're one of them Amish, aren't you? You're one of the Mennonites. And I was like, I work yeah, I at Colonial that. Williamsburg. <laughs> it's down the street. <laughs> like what? Oh, Where? Goodness. Like how? It, the one of the main employers in this town is Colonial Williamsburg. That big mile thing there that everyone goes to. Boop. Had no idea. Like no, it's fun. amazing that you know people. Well. I get it mainly when I'm sort of around London, people think I'm something to do with the palace mm. or I'm something to do with the Houses of Parliament or I'm something like that. And to be honest with you, if it's been a long day and I cannot be bothered to explain to people, I just go, yeah, sure, <laughs> if it makes you happy. Um, <laughs> but, but it's great. Uh, I mean, generally speaking, if you're dressed smartly and you walk with confidence, people just don't stop you. Uh, it's great. I've just walked into VIP areas because I've not known where I'm going. Um, and I've just been sailed through. They assume he must be 
<laughs> you must be part of this. I mean, why would I say that otherwise? It's great. Exactly. It's great. Have you ever tried to walk into the palace, like Buckingham Palace, be like, hey guys, how's it going? Just coming in for work today. <laughs> <laughs> I really should do. I'm afraid I might just get shot down. Uh, oh, but, um, oh. But, but, but I did get to go, uh, well, because well, we went for a summer tour um, around the palace because they let the public in during yeah. the summer when the, when the rolls are up in um, Balmoral. Uh, and I went around sort of wearing my usual, um, well, I think it was um, uh, Victorian summer attire, sort of boat and all that jazz. Mm. And people were asking me all sorts of questions about this and that. And I was going, well, actually, I don't work here, but I do know about that portrait. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, no, it's funny. It's funny. Um, and, and it does make you the centre of attention. People... People do say, you know, do you do it for attention? Mm. And that's what I got accused with a lot of. And people still say, oh, you must do it for attention. It's like, trust me, if I did it for attention, I wouldn't put so much effort and work and research into everything. You know, if I did something for attention, I'd just wear something normal um, and maybe slap on a pink feather bow or something. That's, you know, it, 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 it's all that whole thing of if you've really put your passion into it, then you're doing it for yourself, mm. you know. Um, and, um, and one of my glib lines to people is, you know, life is just far too short to be boring. Mm. You know, you, you might as well, you know, come to the end of your life and think, what regrets do you have? And if the way you've dressed is one of them, then do something about it and change it. You know, we, 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 you know we're, we're on the surface of a short blip that we shouldn't be worrying about that. Yeah. I love that. I think that's something, like you were talking about being English and embracing being eccentric and owning your own personality and your quirks and, and celebrating that. I don't feel like America's very good with that. I feel like it's all about conform, conform, conform. Yes. I mean, we get stares and stops just wearing headscarves, bandanas on our head and people oh, yeah, do double sure. takes and they completely freak out about it. Or they're like, Oh my God, what's happening? It's like, this is how it's we cover our, our hair when it's a mess. <laughs> Instead of a baseball hat, it's okay, you know, and I think you're completely right. And I do always hope that maybe with social media and Instagram and this kind of change in personality and society, I guess I should say, that people are starting to embrace who they are and saying it's okay to stand out where oh, certainly. for Lauren and I, when we were teenagers, if you didn't wear the right clothing brands that came from the mall, you were ostracized. And so you had to conform. Mm. And now, and now oh, it's uh, more uh, like celebrate, yeah. celebrate. Um. Well, exactly. I, I, when I was a teenager, it was still very much the same sort of thing. And yeah. it's becoming less of a thing. But the pressure is still there. You, you know, but because when I was a teenager, I'd go into town and I'd think, oh, that's so-and-so from school. And you think, oh, no, wait, it's not them. They just look exactly the same. <laughs> uh, you know, same hairstyle, same sort of. Everyone had this whole thing where they were wearing those sort of khaki chinos. You know, they, they, they went through a stage of wearing that, and I'm just like, why? But why? And people buying the same sort of overly expensive, really unethically sourced crap. And 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 you. You know, my brother's going through the thing at the moment where he's a teenager and he's trying to find himself. And it's great, you know, that mm-hmm. that you can go for the brands, but also he's got his own style. So you can see that you can see the sort of generations are sort of changing. Um, and it is a very big thing. Um, I've sort of noticed from seeing my American friends that there is this whole idea of conforming. Um, and there is to an extent in this country, uh, England, uh, but, um, but far less so, mm-hmm. um, mainly because... I don't know. Uh, you know, pe- you know. I've had conversations uh, about it before, and people have sort of said it's probably something to do with the country altering itself uh, in the '80s in terms of you know you've got the punk and you've got you know all the different factions factions of style. Um, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure America went through the very same thing, but it's also the fact that you know England's a lot smaller, so you're a lot more exposed to everything that's happening everywhere, yeah. rather than America. You know, you look at it and you go, that's an empire. That's not a country, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and it's fascinating when you look at, um, when you look at um, for example, the various different cultures uh, all across America. You know, you, it, it, it's almost like those cultures um, almost create themselves as their own little countries as opposed to being part of a bigger whole. So it's quite an interesting, fascinating um, sort of country to be in but, but, and, and it's this whole thing of no wonder uh, you know um, 
there isn't, I mean, I don't know the current percentages, but uh, people that leave the US because there's so much to do in the US. You can do a whole road trip for weeks on end and not see everything. Oh, yeah. You know, rather than if you did that here, you'd be like, oh, we're seeing Stonehenge again. Um, <laughs> well, so, like, no. When I lived in Scotland, we went up to the Highlands and we were back in Glasgow by the end of the day. And I was like, whoop. Oh, yeah. And that was yeah. it. Yeah. It's like, oh, wasn't that lovely? <laughs> we're back for tea. Yeah. That would just get us to the other side of the state in most cases. It wouldn't even get us out to a different state, let alone all the way around it. <laughs> Mental, but... But yeah, you you know, it it's just such a vast space, and it it's a beautiful, beautiful country. You know that 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 can't be you know understated. Uh, I think that all countries have got the nice little beautiful pieces. But the trouble is with America, there's just so many pretty bits to look at. Uh, it's such beautiful scenery. You've got the extremes of ice and snow to deserts to rolling green hills, and you just think that's amazing. I mean, what other country has got all of that going on? And then we sort of go, well, we've got lots of green hills and, and a bit of a mountain over there. And that's about it. Oh, and some lakes. We've got some lakes. We've got a lot of lakes. Uh, and then you've got Lake Superior. And it's like, oh, all right. That's bigger. But <laughs> <laughs> no wonder we watched Tom's Wonder. bigger than so England. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. Cool. Um, yeah, no, that really, really compelling um, things that you're saying here about style and conformity and why that happens and leads to fear and change and, and different and standing out. And I think you are extremely brave for wearing what you wear on a daily basis <laughs> and, and looking so fabulous doing it. Um, so I have some questions that Abby gave me to ask you. <laughs> oh, sure. Far trying to be organized so that um, we don't sit here yeah, and giggle. Sorry for rambling. No, you're no, not. No, no, no. You're this great. is the, the good, juicy, chewy stuff. Um, these are a little bit... Uh, I guess kind of normal question. So what's your favorite era to wear? Um, what decade do, does most of your wardrobe come from your daily wardrobe? Uh, well, I'd say my favorite sort of decade is probably from about, you know, you know, 1810 to 1820, you know, probably from 1805 onwards, because it's that whole thing of, you don't have to wear wigs. Um, <laughs> and it's just the upkeep of a wig. Um, oh, effort. You don't want to cut um, your hair into a mullet so and dress it every day. You don't want to do that oh, either? No, no, no. Come no, no. on. What's wrong with you? I don't feel like I you're know, committed really enough to your craft. Yeah. I know. I know. I'm really lacking. Together. I'm really lacking. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it, um, yes, the wig thing is a problem. Um, powdering your hair. You know, so, so I look at what's the most practical early period. And you sort of go, that works quite well. Uh, because you look at the fashions, you know, trousers are more of a thing. Um, you know, from experience, riding the bus in britches isn't great. Um, so, so, so there are practical aspects, um, but um, yeah, no, it's just it, it's probably one of my favourite areas, and and it is where the main bulk of my wardrobe comes from. Um, one of the things I'm quite guilty of is I don't have much day wear because I'm generally making so much evening wear for balls and such, um, and also making stuff for clients. So I haven't got any bloody time. Uh, but um, no, no, it's uh, it, it, it's it's nice and I do want to do more early stuff. Uh, you know, I keep looking, um, you know, there's always these plans to do, oh, I really want to make that from the 1740s and I've sort of gone, but I haven't got time. Um, or you realize that, oh, I bought that fabric for that three years ago. Have I made it yet? No. <laughs> That's just normal. Do you, do you ever run into, um, you mentioned riding the bus, riding the train and watching, especially on your Instagram stories, watching you move through our modern world in your period clothes. What are some experiences you've had where you've run into difficulties? Um, for instance, riding the bus, you mentioned breaches, not great to ride the bus. Yeah, in. I want to know why. What are some, yeah, some other like worlds collide sort of thing. I always think those moments teach you something about the way the world has changed and how technology our clothing can you speak to that a little bit and your experiences with with that oh yeah sure uh, well, well, <laughs> well for one well well the one thing i do to all of my period clothing that i'll wear every day is um pockets and a designated mobile phone pocket because i so need that um but but the whole thing of riding the bus for one is um that the knee buckles are right in the way of the seats um oh. Or the ties themselves, they rub, and upon occasion, they'll untie themselves, which is never fun. But also, it's the fact that 
because with buses, I mean, well, because some of the ones that we've got, uh, especially in Brighton, that some of them face each other, so you're facing the other person. And you think you've got to really tuck your tuck your feet under, which is tricky in really skin tight bridges, uh, you know, because you haven't quite got all of that ease over the knee in order to do that. Um, whereas in a carriage, um, you you can sit down and have your legs forward slightly, you know, um, and and it's all the little things like getting in and out of a car, and you've got to do with frock coat skirts. Um, or um, great big heavy cavalry boots, which you think, should I have worn these? And then you think, yes. Uh, but also, you know, it, it's those little practical things where uh, where you think, gosh, this isn't terribly practical. Um, but you think, so what? Um, another one is walking walking through buses with your top hat on, realising that you've got to stoop, so you just feel like a tall person, basically. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, plus, plus the trouble with britches is that you've got to generally wear pumps and... The whole thing is that now um, to to wear, well, well, as you guys know, I'm sure, you know, period footwear, it's a beautiful niche. Um, but it's, you know, the majority of the footwear that, um, that you guys make and everything, it's not, well, not not designed to be, but people generally won't wear it every day. Um, I'm, I'm sure you two generally sort of wear them on and off, but it's this whole thing of, you know, um, it's also the money that gets to be, ah, it's so pretty. They're so pretty. Uh, it, it's also the money which goes into footwear as well, um, you know, and and that's why I'm always willing to spend far more money on hats, wigs, and shoes because they're things that I can't make. Um, mm. And that's the whole reenactor thing is, you know, um, quality is, you know, you get what you pay for. Yeah. You Where know, it's do you always... get your shoes, by the way? Um, well, I've got some which are uh, vintage. Oh. Um, I've yeah. Uh, um, I've got some which are adapted riding boots, but then I've got a pair of heavy cavalry boots, which I got from a, um, a French supplier who still makes them for French ball hunting because mm. the boots are still in manufacturing. Um, and I'm ordering some Hessian boots from a guy in uh, the Czech Republic because they they still wear the Hessian boots for folk dancing and for horse riding up there in the exact same way as they have been doing for the past 200 years. Oh, cool. Um, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's bloody fascinating. Um, and, and, and there's another guy um, uh, based in the UK uh, who, who, who's fantastic. His name's Andy Burke, and he makes lovely, lovely shoes. Um, and, yeah, yes, yeah, so it's a fascinating thing, uh, being able to sort of get the right footwear. And generally, I won't commit myself to an outfit which I'll be British in stockings unless I've got the shoes right and the hat right, because the devil is always in the details. You know, if you're not wearing the right shoes or the right hat to complement an outfit, it just doesn't work. Um, and another one I mentioned is that buttons. A lot of reenactors, when I say a lot of reenactors, but, you know, we've got to remember that the people wearing these, clo these clothes back then, they were people. They weren't going for a particular style um, because everyone else was wearing it. They were wearing it to show off. Because it's conspicuous consumption. Yeah. You know, by, by wearing your fancy silk buttons, you're showing that, oh, I can afford these buttons. Or that these buttons have three colours on, <laughs> which is far better than your two-colour buttons. Uh, you know, and, and as far as I'm concerned, buttons can make or break an outfit. I completely you know. agree with you on that one. A good oh, yeah. death head button oh, yeah. is just like, oh, it's amazing. It, it's a sexy, sexy thing. Um, and, and, and it's such a shame because you'll see people in the most beautiful outfits and you'll sort of go you've gone for the same sort of flat pewter buttons that everyone goes for and you think that pewter buttons they weren't really something that that was really worn you know it's mainly a military thing because you look at nearly all the originals and they're all cloth buttons they're all thread work buttons or some are bone um, or ivory um, and you just think there isn't that scope for the whole metal button thing so that's a reenactorism which has sort of snowballed and found its way into TV and film costuming as well because um it's funny because you watch some films and you see they pick up from reenactors you know that um well we're not necessarily reenactors but reenactors that are learning there's a lot of misinformation which is brought about by um by books done in the 70s which were amazing for their time and great but don't even get me started on Cunnington. Don't even get me started on Cunnington. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there are some excellent books which you look at and you sort of go, eh, sorry, what? And, you know, like, like I found an exhibition catalogue from the um, City of London Museum. And it was from like 1968. And it was an exhibition on men's costume. 
and it's dating things all over the place oh, and, and you sort of go well that doesn't belong then but also the people we really have to have a go at for the way that history is categorized and portrayed is those darn victorians oh. i mean mm-hmm. oh lordy how about you just mislabel everything that's fine just make uh, stuff up know. just yeah. make it up oh god just there's some excellent ones like that yeah like yep, yep. drink some laudanum take some coke yeah. make shit up just just Why go not? do your crazy victorian stuff and 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 it's this whole thing where where things have been mislabeled. Um, I, I mean, so the National Art Museum has just um, redone their collection because they had because they've got new premises and they're doing a whole new uh, zhuzhing up thing. And they found uniforms which they said, "Oh no, there's only one of these in existence." Oh, we have three <laughs> because it's simply been labelled in the sort of 1860s as coat. Ah, oh, yes, descriptive. Thank you. Um, <laughs> And, and and you'll go through collections and, and you'll get to see behind the scenes. Um, you know, the good thing is get chummy with curators. Mm. Curators aren't these pie-in-the-sky, aloof people. They are down-to-earth, lovely people who love to share their passion, you know, and they are more than accommodating. Uh, you sometimes get the odd one that's a bit stiffy and everything, but 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 generally speaking, they're amazing people, and we really need to use them as a resource instead of fear them and their expertise. Because um, the stuff which I've learned from uh, from creators and everything, but they've also learned stuff from me because I'm looking at it from a construction yeah. standpoint. I'm going, that's a banyan, but that's made from um, that's made from uh, a 1720s woman's sack back gown. So well, how do you know that? Well, because there's no back pleat. It's just the sack back done as the pleat at the back. And it's just, it's little things where they go, wow, you had no idea it was that old. It's like, well, yeah. But, <laughs> because they look at things almost, you know, in isolation of itself. And it's, it, I mean, it's like us, for example, you know, we'll get so obsessed with one particular thing that we don't think about the overall context of a, a of something until someone comes in and tells you something. I mean, my dad's great for that. He comes from a very practical standpoint where I use him as my sanity check. Of dad, does this look right? I sort of gone, no, no, it's like, thanks. I, was, I wasn't quite sure about this shade of green. Um, and, and, and it's stuff like that, you know, where, where, it, where it's always helpful to get an outside perspective. And no matter what you're doing, um, you know, unless you're being really secretive. Uh, but I mean, we need to work as a community in order to learn in any way, shape or form. And that's why blogs are amazing. That's why Instagram is amazing because, I mean, there have been a few people bemoaning the rise of Instagram and the fact that it takes away from um, from the sheer in-depth research. And you sort of go, yes, that's very true to a point. But it doesn't mean people on Instagram aren't incredibly passionate, incredibly knowledgeable about the subject. Um, it's just that the format for which these things are told has changed. It doesn't mean that the blogs have disappeared. You know, the blogs are still a beautiful, beautiful thing. And and I've sort of toyed with doing a blog and I just think, I just don't have the time. I can barely keep up with Instagram and Facebook to sort of keep everything else going. Um, so, so it's an interesting way that things have changed and adapted. And I've so gone off topic. <laughs> no, this is great. This is absolutely wonderful. Um, I sort of catch myself and I've gone, oh, God. That's good. So it, uh, it kind of leads into... This other question, uh, what do you think modern society can learn from historic men's fashion? Uh, you touched on uh, some of the stuff in previous conversations so far. Uh, but yes, about historic men's fashion. What do you think modern society can learn from historic men's fashion? Well, I think you can almost scale it down a bit. And um, people say, you know, oh, why do you dress like that? You know, um, I say at least I'm doing a style that's tried and tested. I won't look back like some people of a generation will look back at photos from the 80s and go, oh, what was I wearing? I'll look back at photos and go, oh, well, I know what that was going to look like because it's been more for the past 200 years. So, so, so you've got that realm of security, that safety. Net. But, but I think what, what men have got to learn from historical fashion is you're allowed to use colour. Yes. Because top men's fashion is sort of like, oh, look, another shade of beige. Um, Light blue, dark blue, royal blue, baby blue, sky blue, periwinkle blue, almost blue, French blue, blue blue, not so blue, grey blue, navy blue, navy, navy blue, black, navy blue, 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 blue. Yeah, and maybe a bit of grey. But, I mean, (laughs) it's this whole thing where men are almost, I mean, I think the big culprit 
is the masculinity of the Victorian period. And that whole just masculinity full stop is a massive problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact that it has made people so, men especially so insecure about anything that may make themselves seem more effeminate um you know despite the fact that since when since when was color ever effeminate you know color is a show of wealth always has been um you know and 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 admittedly the one or the three realms of men's clothing which which really show off color is underwear socks and t-shirts apart from that most men's clothing is dull 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 you may get the occasional outrageously floral shirt but that's normally paired with everything to keep it down or it's a shirt that's only used for going out it's this whole thing of you know live a little you know add a bit of color you know whether that be a fancy outrageous lining to to your business suit you know if you have to wear a suit and everything you know just up at a personal flair you know but also in your own personal style don't afraid to uh you know to do something which people might go, oh, not so sure about that, because, you know, colour is so beautiful, and colour, one, you know, makes you stand out in a positive way, you know. Um, so I think colour is one thing we really have to have to appreciate. Two, um, is that style is one thing, fashion is another, um, and what suits you is another. Um, there's nothing worse than seeing people wearing the up-to-date fashion, which... They may love it and everything, and that's absolutely fine, but it may not suit them in any realm of possibility at all. And you sort of go, okay, fashion's one thing, but does that fashion even remotely look good on you? <laughs> you know, and, and it's something we're very, very guilty of, each and every one of us. Um, and we sort of have to look at it and go, you know, yeah, that's in fashion, but does it suit me? Um, and you can also go, you know, F you to society, doesn't matter if it suits me or not, I'm happy in it. That's excellent as well. It, but it completely depends on what avenue you want to show. And also, one thing is be, be aware that what you're wearing presents you to the world. Um, whether you're dressing for business, uh, whether you're, you know, like trying to make a good first impression, going on a date, or just walking around Tesco's, you know, or, or, or around Target. <laughs> or, or, or Walmart. Goodness me, someone no, thinks to see Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> but, no. and, and, and you think that that's you presenting yourself to the world. And you've got to sort of, to a point, you've got to think, would I be proud wearing this in another context? You know, and taking pride in what you wear is almost a perception of pride in yourself. You know, it's like people going down to the shops and they're wearing their onesies. And you sort of go, that's fine. That's, you know, you're comfortable and everything. That's absolutely fantastic. But, you know, is that really how you want to show yourself off? You know, um, but then again, people don't want to show themselves off. People, people want to sort of slink back into, into sort of the, uh, into the shadows and everything sometimes. I'm and that's not sure where fun. wearing a onesie is going to slink back into the shadows. It's <laughs> kind of a statement in, its, in itself. But well, it's the embracing of the slovenly culture of like, yeah, I, yes, I'm not exactly. going to care. I'm all about comfort. I don't care what people think. And it's like, but you do care enough to wear a onesie. So you are making a statement as oh, a sure. self-proclaimed lover of Kigurumi onesies. And I have worn them in public. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm always a little like, oh, I'm wearing a Kigurumi today. Should I go into Starbucks or should I go through the drive-thru? Because I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed to be wearing it at work when, like, the UPS guy walks in and he's like, what the fuck are you wearing? But I am embarrassed to go into, like, Starbucks wearing a onesie. And people comment on it when I I do it. I can't stay away and I need my crack cocaine. I mean, uh, Starbucks and... (laughs) Yeah. Is that on the specials board? Uh, Is that something we don't get? The extra... I mean... Just to kind of go back to what you were saying... Um, this is something that I've noticed as well, and going back to what you're saying, taking pride in how you're dressed, it has really concerned me as as a person and as an American watching society change and people taking a weird sort of pride in not caring how they dress and acting like it's a good thing. And And whenever I would talk to people about this, I would look at them and I would say, the way you're dressed is how you're communicating who you are in the world. And in the 18th century, you know, if you look like crap on the outside, what does that say about you on the inside? 
you are communicating who you are as a person in your clothing. So if you don't care how you're dressed, if you're not trying to be clean and tidy, if you're not trying to put out a good persona, who, who the hell are you? Are you actually exactly. someone that I would want to interact with? Are you someone that I would want to do business with, what, that I would want to talk to? Absolutely not. You're, you're telling me that you don't value yourself enough to put on a clean pair of pants, let alone valuing other people. And to say that I'm arrogant or prideful or something's wrong with me to, because I care about how I dress, it's completely messed up. It, and, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's sort of gotten to this stage where to critique anyone's way of dressing is a no-no because mm. everyone isn't, yes, everyone is entitled to way to to wear whatever they want to wear and you know to the point of please be decent um but um everyone's entitled to wear what they want to wear and how they want to wear it but in part of being an adult and being grown up and being part of the world you also need to be prepared for people not liking that um or people not necessarily taking you seriously yeah responding Um, in a positive way (laughs) precisely precisely you know and um, one of my favourite games I like to play is hobo or hipster, <laughs> um, and it is so. Is true. it a drinking game? I mean, <laughs> hobo or hipster. <laughs> I know what we're doing in Louisville this summer. I know exactly where we're gonna go, what bench we're gonna sit on, and where we're gonna get our cocktails because we're playing that game. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's so good! And, and and where I'm from, Brighton, it's this. Brighton is a lot like New York in the way that. Um, Brighton is the way that England wants to be or that, you know, um, everyone perceives England to be. But, you know, but New York is almost, you know, New York is what America wants to be. Um, You know, it's like that excellent sort of lighthouse for this is how good America is. And you sort of go, oh, yeah, but there's like shootings, Um, you know, and, and, um, and it's unfortunate and it's part of the trouble of being in a massive country. But um you know, so, so so being in Brighton, it's this multicultural, um, massively trendy, um, you know, very much like parts of London. Uh, it's like this hipster central. It's all about the coffee and gin and cocktails and all about being trendy. And it's almost like people are trying to, to outdo each other on just how um, on just how scruffy they can look. And it's almost like who's outdoing whom? Um, and and it's fascinating to watch. But these things all go cyclically. Uh, because you look back in, uh, you look back at sort of, you, you look back at the Teddy Boys, um, and they were dressed. Um, you know, you you, you had the, uh, you know, you look back at the Teddy Boys, and they were dressed in sort of pseudo Edwardian garb, and then you look at, you know, youth cultures. I mean, it's one thing that youth cultures today has become so homogenized mm-hmm. that you've lost that sort of undercurrent. You know, you haven't got the same sort of level of kids want to be goths. You've got everyone looking at their Instagram feed, their Facebook feed, the the celebrities that are on TV, and they all want to look the same. That you know, you can't identify with your clan in the same way. You know, your people, and 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 it's something which I think is really lacking from an adolescent um, experience. And it's that whole part of you need to go through those sort of hurdles and go through those sort of changes in order to realize and appreciate who you are as a person and, and which sort of road you want to go down. You know, I think it's something we've all done, you know, but, because I look at friends of mine who sort of went through the goth emo thing and now they're sort of pretty Instagram flower crown people, uh, you know, and, and it's that whole thing, but it's an important thing to do. It's all about finding yourself. And I think that whole level of finding yourself has um, somewhat lost its sparkle because, we're now all, instead of finding ourselves, we're all trying to be each other. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's an interesting thing. Um, and funnily enough, you do see it in the Renet community sometimes where, where, where some, uh, someone famous on Instagram has made this lovely historical dress, then suddenly everyone else is wearing it. <laughs> but that's what fashion is. You know, it's people copying each other. And, but, but there are fashions which you think are good and there are fashions which you sort of think retrospectively aren't that good. And, you know, you need to be self-confident enough and almost secure in your own skin. That's one of the hardest things for anyone to be, no matter what age you are, what you're going through. It's being comfortable with the body you've got 
um, you know, the skin you're in because you are stuck in your skin. You know, you can do things to change it. You know, you can, uh, you know, you can, you know, get more buff by going to the gym. You can change your hairstyle and everything. But at the end of the day, you've still got to stand naked in front of the mirror and appreciate who you are as a person, no matter what you look like. And I think it's important that people need to stop shaming themselves in that sort of way, but also realize that no one's perfect. And the people that you perceive as perfect, they've got massive issues with the way they look as well, you know? And, and I think people need to really just get real with the fact that, you know, no one's perfect and that we're not all pretty, you know? Um, I mean that, that weird unattainable level of prettiness, which like no one has because <laughs> it's all filtered to the point where, you know, it's one particular way of looking at things. And, and I think it's, um, but that's nothing new in society because you look at um, fashion plates of the 18th and 19th century and you look at the figures that were presented and then you look at the figures um, of the dresses that survive and you realise that people are of all shapes and and I think it's important to just be happy with who you are and, uh, and it's the same that you've just got to be self-confident enough to do that and that's really hard, really well, hard. The, the idea that clothing... No matter your shape or size or how you feel about your body and the way that you look. Um, and I mean, we all have those days. I've definitely had those days where I'm like, oh man, wow, I'm getting old. Ooh, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. But putting on clothing that flatters me or that I feel good in, or I most importantly feel myself in, uh, yes. which is usually not something that that is normally worn in the, the modern fashion. Feeling yourself is the best confidence boost I think oh, God, yeah. it's one of the yeah. reasons that I admire you so much and we admire you is that you really go for it and you look so freaking fantastic in what you're oh, wearing you. and your bearing changes and you can tell that you feel good about yourself and then other people respect you because you have the confidence yeah. because of the way you're you know, dressed. Exactly. And, and when you wear something that makes you happy, you know, pe- you know, people will say, you know, especially women, like I'll be chatting to them on the bus and they'll be saying, oh, wow, I wore this dress to my sister's wedding and I loved wearing it. Oh, I wish I could wear it more often. And I was like, well, what's stopping you? We'll do it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's stopping you? Oh, well, it's this summery thing. Okay, we'll wait till it's summer. Or, or, or wear a jacket over it in the winter. Just be, you know, we've all got that outfit, which we absolutely adore. Yeah, your best dress, us, your best yeah, outfit. Yep. Exactly, your man exactly. Pants. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And whether that be your favorite pair of socks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just that thing that makes you feel especially you you know i couldn't imagine my dad um without him wearing jeans and cowboy boots and a really offensive t-shirt uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no, my, so your dad no. or my dad <laughs> <laughs> well you know my, my dad driving up to school in like a posh fancy fast car sort of thing getting out wearing jeans t-shirt biker jacket um sun you know aviators and everyone else there is in sort of banker business suits and everything, you know, and him turning up to my parents' evening with them, completely forgetting he'd worn this T-shirt, saying, um, I found Jesus. Now it's my turn to hide. Um, <laughs> and we thought, oh, gosh, I'm rather embarrassed. But the thing is, I'm so grateful to have, you know, parents, uh, especially my dad, uh, you know, who is so happy in themselves. And that is an amazing thing to pass on to your children. And that just being confident in yourself, just being happy with the skin you're in and knowing what your style is and just going, yeah, life's far too short. And also wearing something that makes you happy. It's just, why have that barrier to your happiness? Why have something so easy to change as clothing, as a barrier to your happiness? Because people have got real issues, uh, you know, um, you know, massive disabilities um or you know um well the whole spectrum of of things that can be wrong with you that if clothing is something that that is a barrier um to how you're feeling and how you're being happy then oh my god change it because it's within your power to change change everything you can that can be changed if it doesn't make you happy you know change the things you can control you know don't don't fret about the things you can't control you know and one of my big things is um uh, you know, not many people know this, but 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 I 
used to um, and still do without the medication suffer from horrendous acne, really, really bad acne. Um, and um, but one of the comments I get, oh, you've got great skin, and this next thing, oh, you have no idea how dry it is. Uh, but um, you know, we we've all got those insecurities, and we've all got those little things. But I thought, okay, how can I change it? Um, so I started going with medication to alter it and change it, and. And it boosted my confidence because I thought that people were then looking at me and not the massive spot in the middle of my forehead, mm. you know. And, and it's this whole thing of if you're, going, if you're having a bad hair day, either do something about it or wear a hat. I think, I think human civilization um, and society as um, a general rule um, has begun to deteriorate along with the, um, with the lack of wearing hats. Uh, you know, as was said by Monty Python, not enough people are wearing hats. Yes, very true. Not enough people are wearing hats. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, you just stand differently where you wear a hat. Yeah. You know, your posture improves. You know, you feel more confident. You feel like you can take on the world. Because, you know, every day on this planet is outrageously, you know, presents its own challenges. That anything you can do to help boost your self-confidence, no matter how small that little is, everything adds up, that if you can do that with just the way you're dressing, then I think that's an amazing thing to do. Um, and wear as much color as you can, you know, wear something fancy, you know, wear something you've always wanted to wear. You know, it, it's that whole thing of people saying, oh, I wish I could wear that. Well then do it. Do it. Try it out. <laughs> try, try, try it for a day, you know, and see if you hate yourself in it or love yourself in it. <laughs> Well, and it gets easier too. It's um, oh, I've had this yeah. question from my mom a lot: is how do you dress that way? How do you have the guts to dress that way, or wear a hat, for instance? And I've told people um, before, like it takes a lot to do it at first, and then you kind of get more used to it, and then you start to feel like it's more you. And next thing you know, you're throwing out all, all your skinny jeans in your wardrobe and replacing them with high-waisted, wide-legged pants or dresses or, or what have you. So it, it you do kind of build up a tolerance for it but you have to take the first step you have to take oh, that God, first leap definitely definitely and and uh you know you do need a lot of cojones uh to really sort of step out and do your own thing no matter i mean in any field just doing your own thing is so difficult you know you have to suddenly be a salmon and swim upstream um but it's one that annoys me in the fact that something you see in the vintage retro reenactor, you know, that whole historical dressing sort of side of things is some people take, you know, some people don't allow people to make mistakes, you yeah. know, and some people don't remember where they've come from. Yeah. You know, people will pick apart people's outfits where you sort of go, that person has done what they could. You know, they've, they've found a crappy pattern online, which they thought was amazing because they do not know any better. They've put it together from a, from a bed sheet. And, and they are so proud wearing that wearing. How dare you make fun of them? You know, but because you were like that. Yeah. You know, at one point, you yeah. started off. Yeah. You know, we, we, we all, all started bed off. sheets and curtains. I still make yes. out of bed sheets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like oh, yeah. an entire gown in our book is made out of But those IKEA bed sheets are perfectly historical because that's a historical print. I'm just like, yes. Um, why on earth don't IKEA do, you know, bedspreads of, you know, cloth of gold? Uh, you know, <laughs> damn them. Damn them. Why aren't they doing, you know, Spitalfields brocade silk curtains? You know, God, damn you, Ikea. Yeah, it's like, why aren't you doing a Queen Anne chest? Um, <laughs> it might come I'll out. You're just going to put yeah. it together yourself. <laughs> yeah. Maybe somebody from Ikea will listen to this podcast and hear our oh, cries. Yeah, well, because well, after all, as we know, Ikea has supplied, uh, you know, uh, the Black Watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Night's Watch, you know? yeah. yeah. Oh, the Black yeah. Watch. The Black Watch. Which watch? Oh, sorry. A real watch? Sorry, I'm, or... getting conf- I'm getting confused to, the between Night's the top and the Game of Thrones reference. Yeah. <laughs> Easy mistake. <laughs> oh. was, no, I've just the spent the whole day. <laughs> well, I've just spent a whole day sort of looking, uh, looking at silk samples, um, trying to find nice silk samples of tartans. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. my family tartan is uh, McClude. Uh, and... Um, and there's a lovely, outrageous, bright yellow and black and red one, which is just all the colours. Um, uh, and then there's a nice, more demure, um, sort of, you know, ancient hunting ancient one. one. 
Yeah. Yeah. The vegetable side, what? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you just think mental. Both. Mental. Well, Zach, this has been awesome. And I really want us to start a like ask Lauren, Abby, and Zach series where it's like life advice from three weirdos. Uh, yeah, yeah, so sort of the the vintage agony aunts. Write us your questions, we'll give you our advice. We may or may not be tipsy when we do it. Mm. But you'll Excellent. feel great when we're done. Preferably so. So American ladies and gents, um, Zach, you are gonna come to Jane Austen Festival this Yay! year, two thousand eighteen. Yes. Uh, you've you've been uh, sponsored to come over, and we are so excited about that. That is uh, one of many reasons, but what definitely one of the top reasons why I've decided to go this year. <laughs> I was already going. It's Hashtag for no me, pressure. So. Uh, <laughs> I was in the air. I was like, oh, I don't know. I've got you know, lots to do. And then it was like Zach Pinsett's coming. I'm like, yes, put me on the plane. <laughs> uh, so hopefully we'll get to talk to you while you're there in person, um, because we're sure that we're sure you're going to be swarmed. We have to by... play hipster and hobo. We have to go to oh, Bardstown yes. Road and play hipster or yes. hobo. Like that's what we're going to do. <laughs> While dressed in agency clothing, because that will kidnap you and put yeah. you in the back of a Volkswagen bug, and uh, <laughs> we'll put the top down. Like, so no downside to any of this. But <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, it's, yeah. it's funny because last time I was in America, I couldn't drink, um, and you go, "Oh yeah, you guys are 21." I'm just like, "Oh bless you." <laughs> no, I got it like 16, but you can't drink till you're 21. <laughs> yep. It, yeah, that's yeah. a whole other thing. <laughs> where can people who are familiar with you, where can they find you on the internets? Well, um, on the interwobbly, uh, you can find <laughs> on. I, I know, yeah. My dad says interwobbly. Right. I love it. Um, on the on the Tinter web, uh, you can find me on um, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. But uh, so on Instagram, I'm Pinsent Tailoring. Uh, P-I-N-S-E-N-T and then tailoring T-A-I-L-O-R-I-N-G yeah cool got that right um, it's almost like I should know that um, I'm also on Facebook as Pinson Tailoring um, and I'm just on Pinterest as Pinson Tailoring as well so you know come and have a look at the boards because Pinterest is a great resource um, it it, it's all, all very you know but you have to be careful of the sources you cite and making sure things come from the right place but it's an amazing visual resource to get amazing inspiration look at things from collections you would not see otherwise you know because a lot of collections all over the world do not have proper online collections to look at but the beautiful thing we love is when people go to museums and take photographs <laughs> and put them on pinterest and those are the people that we love um so yeah pinterest instagram facebook um, and I've also got a website, Pinsent Tailoring as well. Um, awesome. And yeah, so I'll be in um, Louisville, um, also uh, taking orders and measurements for people um, and whatnot. And While thinking of potentially future doing um, a sort of trunk show thing of popping over to America maybe once or twice a year to do uh, fittings and whatnot. Oh, because, oh, cool. um, yeah. I know, I know. Uh, well, well, simply because. You know, as much as, yes, it's a business, but also because I get a lot of requests from people in America saying, we want you over here, um, you know, can you ship? And I'm sort of going, I could make yeah. you something to your instruments, but after all, because I'm self-taught, I still feel that I've got a lot more learning to do. Um, and, I, and, and I'm sure you guys, are, after every project you do, you've still got a lot more learning to do. You know, yeah. and, and I think the sign of someone that's in a good place is someone that's aware they've got a lot more to learn. Um, so I've got a lot more to learn and, and I sort of go, I can't just make things to send off to you because things are bespoke. You know, you've, you've got to understand a way something fits on someone, you know, um, you know, warts and all basically. Mm. Um, you know, there's some things you can make without fittings, but generally it's just nice to have a feel of the way someone sits and works and also try and get the guys into reenacting to just wear a bit more color because we've all been skewed by that modern thing of no color. Okay. I find it fascinating that you'll have a, a soldier, a reenactor soldier wearing bright ass red and white, but they won't wear like bright colors. And I mean, the, the military uniform is the brightest thing that they wear. But anyway, yes. um, to, to not go all the way back into, you have to wrap up. <laughs> Do a second uh, episode. You, you're amazing. Cannot we wait love to you. meet you in person. We love you so much. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. 
for uh, doing this interview with us for our podcast. Yeah. Not at all. Pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you to you all who are listening to our podcast. Um, I'm Abby. And I'm Lauren. And you can find... (laughs) And you're Zach. (laughs) And 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 you're Zach. (laughs) And you can find us at AmericanDuchess.com, blog.americanduchess.com, facebook.com slash americanduchess, Instagram is at American Duchess, and I think we're on Twitter too. I don't know what our handle is for Twitter because we don't tweet good. Um, it's American Duchess. Okay. <laughs> you can't miss this. We don't do tweets. But we are not steamboats, so don't go there. Um, anyway. uh, yeah, yeah, we're not. We're not this has been another wonderful episode of Fashion History with American Duchess. We will see you next time. Yeah. Bye. 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 For a, for a female, she's the top.